0: There aren't, there really aren't too many ways the Eagles can lose to the Cowboys and it be considered a good weekend. My squad got beat by the Cowboys, y'all. This was a terrible weekend, but two things made it suck less. Jimmy Butler. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live,
1: You are listening to the best in the world sports report. And here's your host, John
0: Brown. If you allow me to quote the theme song for a great 80s sitcom, take the good, take the bad. You take them both and then you have the facts of life. That is this weekend. There was some good and there was some bad. Welcome to the Best in the World of Sports Report. My name is John Brown. Mike Jones is here with me. Who? Mike Jones. <laughs> Mike, the good was our 76ers trading for Jimmy Butler. Last week I asked, had the process failed us? And this week, General Manager Elton Brand. And head coach Brett Brown helped me help restore my faith in the process. Well,
2: I, I want to real quick before you continue, okay. just make now, a now, slight I'm, correction to what you just said. Okay, because all reports are indicating that this trade was pulled off more by ownership than the GM or the coach. Okay, either so it got credit done. goes to Josh Harris as
0: well. Uh, all right. Okay. That's why I said a slight correction. Okay. Now, we will get into that more because that is the good. Mm -hmm. But to get to the good, we have to get through the bad. And you know what the bad is. (laughs) The bad is the Eagles' loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Today's show is a complete 180 from last week's show. And let me explain to you why. I was a little down on the Sixers last week because I was looking at their current the current team the way it was made up as of last week's show and where they were in the standings and i and to your credit, my good friend Michael, you told me to keep keep the faith and have patience mm-hmm. you said we needed patience. I did say that you said that and as most of the time. <laughs> I will not give you the, <laughs> the pleasure of saying all the time. But quite often, you are correct. With basketball, at With least. With basketball. All right. But I was down on the sixes. But I was high on the Eagles. The Eagles coming off a good win in London. hmm Into the bye week. Mm-hmm. Facing a Dallas Cowboys team that was going on a short week. Mm -hmm. A Dallas Cowboys team that looked like utter crap in their last game.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: All true. And a Dallas Cowboys team that I think if you look at it, now understand something. If you're a fan of John and Mike, Mike and John, and you listen to all our shows, if you like objectivity, you, you listen to one-on-one with MJ.
3: You
0: get you, some of that. You, get, you get objectivity and two people having mature, objective conversations about sports that usually end up turning into an argument. Here, That's about right. On the Best in the World Sports Report, you get fan-ish <laughs> that usually ends <laughs> up turning into an argument. But nonetheless, we were both very very confident in the Eagles' chances and what we thought the Eagles would and should be able to do getting into this game. We didn't get any of that. I saw where something. Where do we where do we start? I saw something. Okay, tell us what you tell me what you saw and then I'm going to tell you what I saw. We talked about this
2: a little bit earlier and I I'm really 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 thick Me, you, and most people probably underestimated the effect of Jernigan's absence this year. Okay, Defensive line last year wasn't the same when he was out. And it definitely hasn't been the same this year with him being out. And I know the defense was coming into this game, the number two run defense in the league. They were good, but they're giving up more than they did last year. The, and the pressure on the quarterback hasn't been quite the same as it was last year. And Jernigan's the type of guy who is effective against the run and the pass. You pair him with Flet- Fletcher Cox, and you have something devastating on the inside of the defensive line. And it
0: ain't devastating no more. It ain't. It, it's far from devastating. They got devastating. Exactly. Now, let me tell you, let me explain to you what I saw. What did right. you say? Let me tell you what I saw. Okay? Let me let me lay this out for you. First thing I saw, Dallas is trash, yo. That's not you could and you could take that any way you want to. You can take that as objective criticism or you can take that as fan-ish. But honestly, there's no way you can take a look at that team. To me, I was I, res- I can respect. I can respect fair objective analysis. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you can be fair and objective when you analyze the Dallas Cowboys and the way that they played that game and the way that they played this season and say, hey, the Dallas Cowboys are a good team. The only person really beating that drum is Skip Bayless, and I told him he could sit your ass down a long time ago. Now,
2: I have to ask. Okay, what's up? Of course the Cowboys aren't good. Yes. But uh, being objective here, yes, I have to ask, are we going as far as to say that the Cowboys are actually trash this year? Because I don't want to go that far. Being objective. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback's not good. Not good. Well, Their I- defense, though, does actually seem to be improved this year over what it had been in previous years. And – regardless of whether or not I like Belly Shirt, he seems like a hateable guy.
0: Oh yeah, he's a very hateable but guy. He's an he's,
2: effective football player.
0: I think that Dallas offense is Ezekiel Elliott and 10 guys.
2: Mm-hmm. But but I, Ezekiel no, no, no. Elliott is a heck of a guy oh, to yes, build your yes, offense around. Yes. yes. Belly Shirt like, and but all. But it,
0: it's starting to look like some, uh, another scenario that you had pointed out to me over the course of this show, the show, mm-hmm. in the course of like our conversations, I talked about the possibility of hating, uh, hating Saquon Barkley for his entire career because he's with a team that I hate, and you had pointed out uh, that the Giants in choosing Saquon Barkley over a quarterback mm-hmm. has ensured that that Giants team will be mediocre. For years to come,
2: I believe so. Yes,
0: I feel like that could also apply to the Dallas Cowboys because Correct. now it's starting you're starting to see that Dak Prescott is just not that dude.
2: Mm-hmm. But Ezekiel Elliott is good enough yeah. to keep them around a seven to nine win team oh, okay. every year.
0: Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. Keeps them if, stuck if you, in mediocrity. Eh,
2: That's okay. the debt. Sixteen games if you're stuck around eight. You're a, medi- are,
0: you're a mediocre. You're a mediocre But the bottom line is this: What are they right now? That team is trash. They have some pieces. Have, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to really sit here and. and I don't want to think about the Dallas Cowboys. They're not. Anymore I'm than not I saying.
2: To. Please don't get me as the, as one who's saying the Cowboys are good. No,
0: I understand. No, I'm well, saying
2: I, what I'm saying. When, when I th- think trash, I think Giants. I think Arizona Cardinals. I think Buffalo. The Cowboys are a step I'm, above them. I'm not here. They're, they're not a lot I'm, above
0: I'm them. I'm not here to talk about the level of trash. I think they trash. <laughs> if you're saying that they're not as trash as the Giants, that's fine. Trash is still trash. And that trash came into our building on Sunday and beat us 27 to 10, 27 to 20. Mm-hmm. That's a bad team. That's not a good team. And that's what makes this loss so frustrating. I, I'm not. I don't care if the if the, if the Cowboys aren't as trash as the Giants. The Cowboys are still trash, and our team is the defending champions, and we lost to them. So it's like now, as much as you can as as much as you can make a argument as to how bad the Cowboys are, and it's not even like the fact that the points that you made about the Cowboys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're legitimate points. You're not wrong in your points. You know, we're still arguing over the level of trash that the Cowboys are. And whatever level of trash they are, whatever we settle upon, the fact still remains is this team, which has somewhat of a level of trash to them, beat our team at home. That's not a good thing. Oh, that's, that's not good.
2: It was a terrible loss. It's, it was not a good it's, loss at all.
0: It's And there's so much, you know, there, there's so much to complain about. You know, I look at the offense. I look at, in fact, well, you know what? I look at Dallas's offense. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, I believe that that's a team, that's Zeke and 10 dudes. Yes, Zeke is a great piece. But that was a team that came into Sunday's game ranked 28th in the league. Mm -hmm. That offense was 28th, the 28th ranked offense in the league. Absolutely. And they came in and had 410 yards in our building. Mm hmm. 410. Dak is doo doo. We said that last week. He's not that guy. It wasn't Dak that beat us. I understand that, but Dak didn't lose the game either.
2: That's not what Dak's not the kind of guy who loses games for you.
0: Look once again, the facts. As much as
2: he's a Cowboys quarterback, let me say I will say the one thing about Dak: as limited as his talents are, he is a fairly smart quarterback. He doesn't make a lot of dumb plays. He's just not accurate throwing the ball, especially downfield. You need a better quarterback, but. He does have a quarterback's mind. I'll give him that. So, if you get in a situation where the running game is just grinding us up all game long, we can't 150 plus yards for Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, all he has to not at that point he's in a situation where he doesn't have to try to make plays to win the game, which is exactly where he wants to be. Going back to to that rookie year where they went. 13 and 3 a lot of what you saw that year was Ezekiel Elliott carrying the offense and Dak Prescott just not being asked to have to try to do too much just manage the game don't make the mistakes mm-hmm. make your little short throws and checkdowns and such what we need though your 5 to 15 yard routes nothing nothing excessively da- downfield a lot or anything like that so when you put Dak into that type of situation, that's best case scenario for Dak, and that's exactly what the Eagles allowed to happen. Was yeah. best case scenario for Dak Prescott,
0: and that's and that's what pisses me off because everything that you laid out for, everything that you laid out in order for Dak Prescott mm-hmm. to be successful,
2: mm-hmm. was exactly what the was, Eagles allowed to happen.
0: Exactly, and that's what pissed me off about this game because that I think it's a safe. It's safe to. It was a safe assumption. We'll put it that way. It was a safe assumption when dealing with this team to think that they are better than that. That this was a defense good enough that you could do what it takes to shut down a quarterback like Dak, or at least put the Cowboys in a situation where they needed Dak to win that game. Dak didn't. Dak didn't lose the game for them, but Dak didn't win the game for them. Dak was. That that means we have to stop
2: Zeke. And make put the ball in Dak's hands. Okay, you if you stop Zeke and put the ball in Dak's hands, that D- D- that's when where Dak the, will lose where, a game for you.
0: But where where did the Eagles rank against the run this year?
2: Going into that game, they were second at around eighty three yards a game.
0: So how many yards did Dak uh, did Zeke finish with? One hundred and fifty one. Second ranked defense mm-hmm. gave up one hundred fifty one yards to. To uh, Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. twenty twenty eighth ranked offense came in and hung up four hundred and ten yards. Because mm-hmm. once you piss-tivity.
2: once you can't stop the run, the offense pretty much has you at its mercy. Because ideally, whether you could shut down the pass or shut down the run, you want to make an offense one dimensional, which makes them pre- predictable. You know what to defend for. You know somewhat what's coming and at that point your defense starts to look really good but if a team a team's offense has the ability to run and to throw against you because you're unable to stop the run it it puts the defense at an extreme disadvantage because if i have to load up to stop the run with extra defenders in the box even the most average, the most. How can I say this? Like, I don't. Well, the worst of NFL quarterbacks, and of course we're talking about NFL quarterbacks. So these are all high level players. But the worst of the NFL quarterbacks can pick apart most defenses when you there's only three on people them. in coverage and you're not getting pressure on me because you got eight in the box, so it's only three back and your pressure is not getting to me. You got eight in the box is there to stop the run. It's not like you're coming after the quarterback.
0: So let me ask you, what pissed you off the most about that game, like specifically? Not, not, and I'm saying I'm, I'm going past just your overall hatred for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm saying watching this game, what was it that the Eagles were doing? What were the Eagles doing wrong? That frustrated you.
2: Defensively, it was it was some poor tackling going on. A lot of poor tackling. A lot of poor tackling on defense. And but the offense, I I don't understand what's taking them so long to get going in games this year. Mm-hmm. Like the school, we had three points at halftime. There's no reason to only have three points at halftime. Say what you want about injuries and offensive limitations this year. Three points is unacceptable. When you have the quarterback and the weapons that we have, you're more than a three points per half offense. And you need to be more consistent. So if you want to know what pissed me off the, the most, it's inconsistency.
0: No, I I completely agree, and I feel like the inconsistency of this team was on full display on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Three points at halftime. Offense looked – and and what's I guess what's maddening about it is when you look at the final box score, you know, if you're a numbers guy Mm -hmm. and not just somebody who watches the game, you see Carson Wentz, 32 of 44, 360 yards. Mm-hmm. see uh, Zach Ertz, 14 receptions, 145 yards. And two touchdowns. And two touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar, 83 yards. Alshon, 48. Jordan Matthews, 40.
2: What the stats don't tell you, though, is something that is consistent through the Eagles' losses for this whole entire season is they're not playing complete games in those losses. No, the inconsistency not at all. is on display not at all. from not the at Tampa all. Bay game You're to absolutely. the Tennessee game right. to this most recent Dallas game. Right again, you'll see the Eagles might play a good half or two or three good quarters. Right but they're not putting complete games together not at some putting, point the inconsistency shows
0: up not putting a good game together and also not being consi- not just the offense being consistent but getting a consistent game from both from every aspect of the game mm-hmm. because 3 points at halftime but they were able to pick it up and put some points on the board in the second half but then what happened Their defense started to be inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Defense couldn't get a stop. Every time the offense marched down the field and got the ball into the end zone, what happened? Dallas comes right back, scores right on the the, uh, next possession. Mm -hmm. They could never keep. And what's maddening was the fact that Dallas couldn't pull away. And one of the reasons why Dallas couldn't pull away is because Dallas just isn't that good. No,
2: they're not that good. So
0: they're not that good. The game was in reach. It's not like they went down there and got blown out. But you needed your defense to get a stop, and at no point in time could they. And that's what's maddening about that game. But to your point, the inconsistency. And it's inconsistent in every aspect of the game. The only thing they've been consistent about this season is that they've been inconsistent.
2: They have been very, very, and very inconsistent if, if, this
0: if year. I, if, I chan- if I may channel my inner Smokey from Friday. The Eagles never had two things that match. (laughs) Offense, no defense. Defense, no special teams. Players, no coaches. Coaches, no players. Ham, no burger. (laughs) That's our Philadelphia Eagles this season.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: That does seem to be what we're dealing with quite regularly this year. And,
0: and, and it's, I guess to me it speaks to a larger it, – it speaks to what has been the overall frustration of this season because now we're looking at a team that's four and 5 Mm-hmm. And of those five losses, you know, it, it's easy to say I, – I feel like right now – the cream of the crop in the NFC are the New Orleans Saints and the L.A. Rams.
2: Okay,
0: who right now they're they're the, they're the top two teams, and I feel like they have firmly solidified their hold on those on those positions. There is a very good chance that our Philadelphia Eagles could go out, could go down to New Orleans and lose on Sunday to the New Orleans Saints. If they win. I'd be ecstatic. Whole mood of next week's show will change (laughs) if they win. However, of the losses that they had, if they were to lose, how surprised would you be? If they lost to the Saints? Yes, if they lose on Sunday, how shocked would you be? Not at all. Exactly. Because the Saints are playing good football.
2: Correct. The Saints are a very good football they're, team. They're a
0: very good football team. Losing sucks. Losing will always suck. But when you're objective, mm-hmm. you know, you you can losing can still suck, but you can understand when your team has lost to a better team. Exactly. Are the Tampa Bay Bucks necessarily a better team? No. Are the Tennessee Titans necessarily a better team? No. Are the Minnesota Vikings, technically, are, are, are they a better team? No. Carolina Panthers, no. Dallas Cowboys, no. That's your five losses this season. Mm-hmm.
2: Inconsistency.
0: Inconsistent. You can point. point you can. Every, in, every in one all of those, those games, games yeah. there are
2: stretches where the Eagles looked like the better team, and they sh- and they showed like the better team on the field. But there were also stretches in that game where. I don't know what was going on. It wasn't the Jekyll and Hyde. Essentially, it wasn't the same group of Eagles on there for the whole game. No, not
0: at, not at all, not at all, not at all. And I feel like we. I feel like this the season is slipping away. Week nine, week ten. I'm not. I'm not necessarily ready. Week ten, going into. 4 or 5 tied for Four second
2: f- place in the division two games back.
0: They could climb out of this hole. It's going to be very hard.
2: You play the team that's two games ahead of you twice. Yes.
0: So there the Eagles have an opportunity to climb out of this hole. Mm-hmm. So with that, I cannot say that the season is lost. Like if you're if you're
2: I'll say it this way: If the Eagles win out, the Eagles win the division. They still have the ability to control their own destiny.
0: Giants are one and seven; their season's lost. Forty Nine ers two and seven; their season's lost. Mm-hmm. Cardinals two and seven; their season's lost. Mm-hmm. All Lions. teams
2: that could use Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs>
0: whatever uh, d- hey if you want to hear me and uh mike jones argue over uh fitzpatrick listen to one on one with mj but on the best in the world sports report fitz magic is garbage but <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there i i don't want to complain about fitzpatrick i want to complain about my eagles season's not lost they you know they could put it together i'd like them to put it together i want them to put it together do you think they will? I think they will. Okay. I think they will. But once again, hey, that's why I do this. Because I leave tons and tons of receipts that you are more than happy. Okay. You're more than willing. You are more than able to throw in my face. As a fan, you're wrong. supposed
2: to keep the faith. Yeah. Yeah. You said it yourself. We're yes. here for fan ish.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what this is about. Fan ish. Yes, I think that I, that's that's the fan ish in me mm-hmm. because it's like, to me, that's all I can. That's but, what fans are supposed to yeah. do.
2: That's how we're supposed to feel.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I think I can be objective and understand everything that goes against what I just said. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was to tell me objectively, because I feel like. Being objective does not necessarily mean going the other way. Because you could say that the season's over, things are over, and still not be objective. That's very true. But, you know, I understand and respect anyone who objectively says, you know what, man, it's done. It's just not going to happen. I don't have to listen to them. They're not going to be on this show. It's not. They don't get a microphone. They're
2: not done because they're a team that's proven they have the capability of getting hot and going on a run. But they're teetering on the edge.
0: Yes, very much so. And I guess part of what frustrated me about this game was the fact that playing Sunday night you you go into the Sunday night game knowing exactly everything that happened in the league that day. We had talked about the possibility of the Philadelphia Eagles coming into this weekend. When We we had talked about the possibility of us doing this show with the Eagles tied for first place mm-hmm. because we saw that the Redskins were going into Tampa playing your boy Fitzmagic and losing because – we thought that the Tampa Bay Bucks played better football with Fitzmagic. I'll call him Fitzmagic. You call him whatever you want to call (laughs) him. But nonetheless, Washington was able to pull out the win.
2: They did Washington won. They moved to six
0: and three. Six and three. Washington won. So to me, it's like that puts the extra pressure. That uh, pressure or whatever, you know, I'm not even going to call it pressure. But it lays out what the Eagles have to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to call it pressure because we both we both agree that the Dallas Cowboys aren't a better team.
2: But the Eagles know they have to win to keep pace.
0: They know they have to. They know they have to win, but they know that there's a team in front of them that they can beat. Mm-hmm. And Dallas came in playing with as much house money as you possibly can. Their season isn't over either, but it's not looking good for them. Dallas came in, came I think, in with,
2: slightly more desperate, because had they lost that game, their season over. was over. Okay. Whereas the Eagles lost, and we're still sitting here saying their season isn't over yet. No, I understand. So Dallas, Dallas is, did come they, in as the more desperate team.
0: They came in as the more desperate team, but and they came, and it seemed like from the word go, from the time they came out in the field, when they did you see the fight? mm Hmm. From that point, you know, from the very beginning when they're all warming up on the field to the way they played, to the way they came out to shoot, Dallas was ready. Dallas was prepared. Dallas looked like the team that was coming off a bye, not a short week. And the Eagles looked like a team coming off a short week and not a bye. And that's what's maddening. That's what pisses you off about that game. The
2: The Eagles... to me, looked very, very flat in the first half. Yes. And I don't know what they did during the bye, but they definitely looked flat in the first half. Dallas, I don't want to say that they looked like they were coming off a bye, but I absolutely saw a hunger from them that was not an everyday thing. is that they do, they don't look like that before every
0: game. If, did it feel to you like Doug Peterson? Did you first I should ask, did you watch the uh the post game press conference? Bits and pieces of Doug's. Did you get the feeling that he was kind of alluding to the team not being prepared?
2: I think Doug is the type of guy
0: who will Take
2: blame upon himself for players whenever possible.
0: well, he's an Andy Reed guy and that was always Andy's thing
2: so if Doug alludes to the team being not being prepared, that's probably Doug saying this is my fault not on my not on the guys as much okay and I don't so when I hear that from Doug because as you said that's an Andy Reed thing. I don't know how much stock I could put in it whether it's true or not it might be true. It might very well be true. I don't know though, because that's something he would say all the time after any loss. Because he's not one who's quick to publicly throw players under the bus. No,
0: not at all, not at all. But I, but I just feel like something has, something has to give. And maybe now, when you're going, you're on the road against a very good team, mm-hmm. and you're on, you know. This has got to be. This is probably the biggest back against the wall moment for the Eagles. Maybe in Doug's tenure. I mean,
2: depends on how you look at it, because this season isn't much go, going much different than his first year here.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I think
2: the only the, well, the I, only I, I difference was, is we are expecting more right yes, now,
0: and I think that's what puts him in this position. Because we weren't, there were no expectations year one. There were no expect expectations really year two, other than improvement, and you got that, and you saw it. This is the time where it's like now your you know expectations are through the roof. They have come mighty short. They're nowhere near where we expected them to be, and now your season is you're on the brink. Doug's back is against the wall. You know, it's now or never.
2: Mm-hmm. But, so when you say Doug's back is against the wall, you, I, I'm i assuming you're not going as far as to say Doug's job
0: is. No, 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 no. Uh, even as bad as this season is, as bad as this season is going, hmm I mean
2: So we're not saying no, no. Doug lacks job security
0: no, at this no. point. No, oh no, 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 no. Okay. When I say i I'm saying back against the wall as far as postseason play. Okay. Not yeah, Just one. that's what I, I thought. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we were, yeah, yeah. I, I we I think, were on the honestly, same page. You, this season would have to be in other, in like we're talking Giants. Not even you know, Giants bag. Oakland bag. For Doug's job to be on the line, four wins sucks, but four wins isn't fire. The coach sucks.
2: Okay, got you.
0: You know, I understand. We, you know, we talked about level of trash <laughs> a couple of minutes ago. Mm-hmm. You talked about the level of trash. This level of sucks too, and I'm not at that point yet. But I'm thinking Doug's back is against the wall, and now I want to see how they come out because it's like I feel like we've been kind of. As fans and as people watching the game, we've kind of been begging Doug and and, and Jim Schwartz to be a little bit more aggressive. Now, now,
2: I want to ask you a question. Okay. And if possible, I'd like for you to be objective.
0: Okay. I do will you, try my best.
2: Do you actually think they have the personnel to do this? Yes. Yes,
0: I, I think they,
2: I, I. So with injuries to the top three corners, your top running, top two running backs, in cons- offensive line, your two best tackles have been banged up all year. Yeah,
0: I, I I think given given everything that you say, mm-hmm. given all of those factors, I think what g- helped galvanize this team. Last year was that next man up mentality when faced with adversity, and I think they are in a position where, as on paper, in theory, yes, you know, it, there are a lot of shortcomings, and there are probably more shortcomings this year than there were last year. Where although, you know, yes, they lost a the quarterback last year, yes, they lost probably one of the greatest left tackles of all time, mm-hmm. yes, they lost a run, you know an all purpose running back. But now I feel like now you have small you have more smaller scale injuries that have now added up to put them at more of a disadvantage than last year. Given all of that, what galvanized this team would help bring this team together was that next man up mentality. And I feel like you you have to try. You can't, because I feel like if if they are trying to coach, they're trying to coach so much around their shortcomings mm-hmm. that they're this. I think they're compromising the product. If if that makes any sense, Is that?
2: I hear you, and I have to wonder though. Are they, is it that they're changing, that what they're doing is compromising the product? Or are they simply trying to make the best out of what they have, knowing the limitations of their personnel?
0: That might be what they're doing. That might be the mentality. But when you look at what's going on on the field, mm hmm. When you're looking at a, a defense, are you telling me that they're so hurt that there's no other way to play defense other than prevent defense in the whole second half?
2: Okay. Now, here's what. okay, so Darby's out. Mills is hurt. Sidney Jones is hurt. Do you really want to get up and play press coverage with those corners?
0: You're going to have to, unfortunately. As, but, but,
2: but no, no, I, I, I understand. The I understand. question is, is that really what you want to do?
0: Is that – that's your answer. You're going to have to because playing back has been burning you all season. You now, when you look at it, when you look at how they have been losing games. Y- y- when I, you're looking at I'm it, not saying you're wrong. Hmm?
2: I'm just thinking from the coach's perspective, the per, the personnel you had out there to begin with, your top corners weren't necessarily World beaters. They were great. Now you're down to your four, five, and six DBs. You really think those guys are going to have the skill set you need to go out there and play press man?
0: At this point, this team's bad. I think you're, when your back's against the wall, like you are at this point, mm-hmm. you got to try something because now you 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 are now a five loss. staring down the face of a six loss season in week 11 Mm -hmm. gotta try something well look we gotta move forward Eagles still have a game on Sunday against the Saints so we need to talk about that so when we come back we will talk to our first guest we have a guest this week it'll be John Hendricks Saints contributor for canalstreetchronicles.com. When we come back on Best in the World Sports Report, we're going to talk Eagles and Saints.
1: You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at (laughs) PhillyGoFlow.com. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com.
3: Looking for a job worth talking about? Teaching is creative, collaborative, and intellectually challenging. See why teachers have better work stories at teachdfw.org. And learn more about becoming a teacher. Brought to you by TEACH and the Ad Council. From Best in the World Sports and Joe Sports
0: Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on the Best in the World Sports Report. We have talked at length about the debacle that was on Sunday and unfortunately as hard as a pill as hard of a pill as it is to swallow we must move forward and talk about next Sunday's game which now looks to be a pretty daunting task we are traveling to new orleans new orleans is on a roll they're beating people left and right and it's not looking good they've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who's playing probably his best football in a long time if not ever so uh we got to figure this out helping us to figure it out good friend of mine from New Orleans he is from he is the Saints contributor to can at canalstreetchronicles.com part of SB nation ladies and gentlemen let's welcome my friend John Hendricks to the show John how are you sir
3: Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm doing good.
0: I know you're doing good. You you're doing real good. The <laughs> Saints winners of 7 in a row. They're killing it right now. They look I mean they're looking pretty much like, like they're going to win it all or at least go to the Super Bowl. Now, let me ask you. Let's let's start with I guess the low to go with this high. We all saw how the season ended last year how the 2017 season ended with the loss to the Vikings. Um, I guess for the fans and people who watch the Saints, is this are, are they surprised at how they've been able to bounce back and dominate this year?
3: Oh, I don't know if I'd say it was a surprise. I mean, look, you're building off a lot of good pieces that the Saints team had. And what I mean by that is, is a stellar draft class. So, I mean, Ryan Ramchek uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara. Uh, and then you all throw in Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, last year's third round pick. So, I mean, they had a lot of tools there already And in free agency. They go out and make a couple moves. So, I mean, look, you got a team that is really, um, they could have done one of two things. They could have felt sorry for themselves and, you know, kind of went into this state of depression, uh, or they could have worked on what they had accomplished and even get better. And that's kind of what they chose. That's how the message has been since the beginning um, and look, I, I mean, for them to come out and play the way they have so far, um, you know, that first game, I obviously didn't count against the Bucks. That was a little bit of an anomaly, but they've shown who they really are over these past three games, I'd tell you for sure, maybe four.
0: And what does that say about the coaching job of Sean Payton, the, the way he was able to bounce back, the way he's been able to get this team to bounce, to really buy in and to really right this wrong this season? Can you talk about the coaching job that Sean Payton has done?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's him. It's his show, right? He's the head coach, and uh, he gets a lot of accolades. But, you know, I think a step when you peel back the layers, and, you know, I think about uh, an Eagles team, you know, Frank Reich, how, much, how important he was to the Eagles, you know. and The so Saints, they have those defensively. They have Ryan Nielsen, He's in his second year as a defensive line coach. He came from NC State. Uh, Mike Nolan kind of resurrected and came back and helped the linebacking core. You know, uh, you've got Aaron Glenn is doing the secondary. I mean, you know, just a lot of different pieces along this, in addition to Dennis Allen, Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, the big big gurus here. Um, But, look, I think that's part of it. And and the thing about Payton is – he's he's just shown, especially lately, just how much of an offensive mastermind is. And at the same time, coming from that Parcells tree, he's knowing how to get his, his team motivated to do what needs to be done and is required to win, and it's showing up for sure.
0: Definitely showing up for sure. Now, when you think about the Saints, I guess, like, for fans outside of New Orleans, outside of that fan base, for football fans, when they think of New Orleans, they think of, you know, uh, offense that scores a lot of points you know drew Brees just flinging the ball everywhere but alvin Kamara has he has really established himself as a uh, as really an elite back in this league talk, talk to me about his impact and what he is what he has been able to do and how he's kind of changed the culture of this team because you're still scoring a lot of points but you have a rushing attack that has to be respected now
3: yeah, I mean, Kamara and, and Mark Ingram both two-headed monsters. I mean, they'll tell you, but, you know, early going season, it was the Alvin Kamara show. Kamara comes uh, – sorry, Ingram comes back from suspension, and he kind of helps taking that load away a little bit. And, you know, last game against the Bengals, you see both of them. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent to what they do last did last year, both Kamara and Ingram. I mean, they do interviews together in the locker room. But Kamara is just something special. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter whether he's running the ball, catching the ball. Um, You know, there's times where he's out in open field, he'll make so many people miss. Um, Look, I I mean, it's just – it's crazy because i still feel like i've never seen him at full speed when he runs the ball and that's kind of a scary that's, thought that's but very scary. um he's a tough guy to bring down and you can't just say enough good things about how how well he's done for this team all nah, right that man
0: that man is a beast he's, he, he reminds me a lot of a, a player we saw here for years in philadelphia and brian westbrook in a way he's able to catch from out of the backfield and where the fact that you can put him anywhere on the field and he can be a weapon so you know kamara's definitely a beast and speaking of beasts you can't talk about that offense without talking about Drew Brees and what he's been able to do and he's probably playing his best clip of football you know ever people have been talking about a lot about Tom Brady and what he's been able to do at his age but Drew Brees is what 39 years old now and he's he's looking like he's about 29 years old. Tell me a little bit more about what he's been able to do and how he's really been able to lead this team this season.
3: Well, you know, Drew Brees, again, they they alluded to it on Fox, but, you know, we've known this for years. and It's been one of those things where a few years ago the national media had pushed this narrative that that Brees' arm was declining and he was going to be this horrible quarterback, horrendous, all this other good stuff. But, you know, uh, and especially being from Philadelphia, you know how the national media and stuff they oh, yeah. they, they tend to do these things and overblow it, mm-hmm. right? But you know with Breeze, uh, the thing is, I tell people all the time, he takes care of himself physically first and foremost. I mean, this guy's in top shape. He stays alert. He goes, does so many things. He's a student on and off the field. And I know a lot of people say that, but you know, you could even see it uh, against the, the Bengals when Teddy Bridgewater was in. Breeze is sitting there studying what the offense is doing he's still mimicking and doing all the plays i mean he was doing that in preseason that's how dedicated he is and not to mention he's got four kids three boys and a girl and a wife to keep up and help keep them young so look he might have found the fountain of youth and he's playing at such a high level and uh you know again he's got one interception on the season that's that's it
0: i see drew Brees. And I see, I saw the video that was on social media. Him, uh, you know, tossing the footballs with his kids, and I'm, I'm jealous because of exactly what you said. You know, his kids keep him young. I, I too have four kids. They keep me old. Um, I, I, I wish I had that. I wish I had that kind of energy. Now, <laughs> when, when I was mapping out the show. And I knew that we had to get uh, we had to get somebody from the Saints who covers the Saints on the show, and I was prepared when I uh, going into this week we were going to talk about Des Bryant. That was going to be the news of the week. Now, unfortunately, things have changed. But let me ask you let me ask you a question: When you signed, when the Saints signed Des Bryant, they had won six in a row. They went on; they won this weekend uh, against. Cincinnati, but you had won six in a row. Now seven in a row. Did, I mean, how how big was that signing for the fan base? How how excited when you look at a team that was really on a roll, had been rolling all season, for, to get to bring in a Des Bryant? Was that a shocker? Was that something that people saw coming?
3: Well, I, I can tell you, I, this is something I had been following for months, and I had got wind of it back when free agency started. Um, you know, through some some sources and such mm-hmm. that basically that Sean Payton was just just in love and infatuated. And he was a player that they wanted to look at, you know, didn't work out right then and there. And they kept a, a close watch. They did their homework. They vetted him internally. Um, and, and they also asked outside help, like, you know, from Jason Witten and Tony Romo and stuff from those days when Dallas connections for Payton. So, I mean, they did their homework, right? And this was a thing where Bryant, you know, obviously he took the visits. He was – Cleveland was interested. The Baltimore Ravens were interested. But ultimately the Saints were the destination because that gave him a chance and opportunity uh, to be the best. You know, he met the players. Everything was good. And um, he meshed with them extremely, extremely quick. Uh, And it showed on Sunday when they were showing – throwing up the X and kind of respecting him and just talking about his passion and impact and – you know, now it's it's said and done because obviously he's lost of the year for a torn Achilles. And um, but the respect's still there. And you know, now they're they're working and trying to win one for Dez too.
0: Now that's now
3: what does that say about
0: the Saints locker room? I, I think I think that's really cool that it appears that they've kind of rallied around a player that really only had been in camp for less than a week. What does that say about the strength of the Saints locker room?
3: Well, I tell you what—it's strong. It's got as much strength in it as I've ever seen. And you know, if you go back a few years uh, after the 2013 season, when they you know had the the bad playoff loss to the—I'm the e, sorry, the Eagles, the, um, the Seahawks—they mm-hmm. you know kind of went in some directions and had a lot of people on the teams. I guess you could say hotheads. You know, Junior Gillette was one pass rusher. Had been kind of a distraction. Got paid a lot, bunch of money, and they had incurred dead money for him. Keenan Lewis was another guy that kind of had some off-field issues. You had um, Jimmy Graham get traded, kind of have some button heads there. So, look, they just didn't have the right locker room makeup. Akeem Hicks was another guy I could think of, and it was just one of those bad situations. You couldn't get everybody on the same page, and they've changed that that mentality over the past several years. And, you know, you see the three straight 7-9 season and think, oh, man, this, this team's horrible. They've been working to fix that locker room so much, and I think Brandon Brown was probably the last piece of that puzzle to get rid of to where they could really start injecting their people, their talent, their coaches, people that want to win, and you ask them. I mean, every player says, I love this team. Everybody is focused on one single goal. Uh, I know it sounds cliche, rah-rah, but there is no me people in there. It's all about us, and they know what they got at stake, and that's trying to win one for Drew Brees.
0: I hear you. I hear you. It's- I hear that, and those things kind of kind of remind me of the storylines and the things that you were hearing out of the Eagles locker room last year, you know, whether it was winning you know the type of leader that Carson Carson wentz was and winning one for him when he went down and then having you know this was a team that had a lot of injuries last year and there was a next man up mentality. And you saw it all throughout the season that when a player went down, you wanted to rally around them. And just the camaraderie and the togetherness of a locker room. And it's something that, unfortunately, in Philadelphia, you're not necessarily hearing this season. But to hear that out of Saints camp and to hear that from the Saints locker room, it kind of it, it, it solidifies and it kind of drives home the point of how good and how special this team is. Now, with Dez going down, you replaced him with Brandon Marshall. Now, will he? are you expl- expecting him to play on Sunday?
3: Uh, I mean, it might be one of those wait-and-see type things. You know, I think with the way they attacked the uh, the Bengals yesterday, they got something that in Keith Kirkwood, somebody that was called up for the practice squad. Austin Carr kind of came alive. That was good to see. Um but you know look it wouldn't surprise me if they have some kind of base packages but some of the other guys that I kind of mentioned they were also playing special teams Kirkwood is another example in car that have that versatility Marshall kind of like Dez would be one of the one dimensional people I'm not saying they could have used Dez in punt return game or anything like that but Marshall's truly just going to be a wide receiving threat and that's really about all you're going to get with him so they might have some basic plays it wouldn't surprise me if he's not active um But, you know, overall, I feel this team, they made this move uh, to get a veteran presence, kind of help them along the way because the anticipation is you're going to the playoffs. Hopefully look at home field, and they're going to need somebody like him down the stretch.
0: I hear you. Hey, we're on the line with John Hendricks, the Saints contributor for CanalStreetChronicles.com. That is a part of SB Nation. Now, real quick before I let you go, now, despite all the points and the yards that uh, you're putting up, Def- uh, the Saints' defense is still ranked 23rd in the league, despite a real stout run defense. Now, how, like, how worried are fans about the defense? Do they view that as a liability, or do they just feel like you know what, this offense puts up so much points, you know, it it's not a big deal.
3: Well, you know, the thing is, they're going to give up yards. They're going to get the the biggest philosophy is bend, don't break," so they're going to give up yards. They're going to give up some plays. I mean, that's just how it is. That's the nature of things. Front seven, I think is very talented. I think it has a lot to offer. Um, You know, you're not having Marcus Davenport your first-round pick. He's he's similar to what Derek Barnett was able to do with the Eagles. I mean, he he just makes that big of an impact and such. So, look, I I know the front seven is is strong. It's their back half that's really been the problem. Um, You know, Marshawn Lattimore had a slow start to the year. He's coming on a lot better. Eli Apple the guy they traded for from the Giants he's been doing better so and Marcus Williams is kind of hitting a little bit more stride he's getting better and and Von Bell so I mean look I think when you look across the defense clearly the guys in the back are are the ones that they're most concerned about I think that they can put together some more string uh, you know string together some more good games to kind of help that confidence but if it's a Saints fan they know Uh, what they're in for when they see the pass defense. And if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm I'm throwing the ball as much as I can probably. I wouldn't look to run. um, And I think they can find a success for sure, especially if they go to Ertz.
0: Now, as far as Ertz goes, I think you have a point. But I think hearing that will scare a lot of Eagles fans because this is an offense that seems to completely disregard the run. And they will see this run defense and figure that they can't run against the Saints, and then want to fling the ball downfield all game. And I don't know if that's gonna work either. <laughs> you know, I, I I just I I just don't know. This game scares me. It scared me all season. It scares me even more now. But that's why you play the game. You know, you got just. Get, all you got to do is just sit back and watch. So let me ask you, before I let you go, what are your what are your expectations? It's early, so you don't need to give a prediction, but what are your expectations for Sunday?
3: Well, look, I, I think first and foremost, the hostile atmosphere for this Eagles team to come into. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of telling because you had Sean Payton challenge the fans after that Rams game. And look, I was up in the press box and, It was loud. I mean, I couldn't hear what the the people on the press box announcements were saying just because of how loud it was getting. And Peyton obviously said, look, I've I've heard it louder. And, you know, I might've heard it too when when the Saints beat the Redskins uh, in in 2017 or that Falcons game near Christmas, that was another thing that was loud. So look, he's already got the crowd amped up. So I'm looking for that energy and the Saints feed off that energy for sure. Um, So look, I, I think, if I'm the, the Eagles, I'm looking at, I'm trying to stop these guys early. They've been so successful at starting football games and they're just putting up points so many different ways. So if I can get any kind of momentum on my side or any type of stop early on, I'm, I'm celebrating, but look, I want to see how the Saints defense is able to get after Carson Wentz specifically, how the offense is going to be able to move the ball because it's just another ch- a challenge. Right. And, um, you know, Doug Peterson and Sean Payton have a good bit of history and, uh, you know, don't know if all Eagles fans remember that they made the golf bets and uh, Peterson gets to wear the dark jerseys in the Saints building and, uh, and all that other stuff. So, I mean, you know, Peyton's a guy who's not going to forget stuff like that. So, I am just really want to see two good play callers, and I expect a really good ex- a good game. I don't expect any type of blowout for sure.
0: I can only hope. We can only hope because right now <laughs> – i i don't even want to get into what the morale is right here and what the mood is so a great game would be welcome especially if it helps the good guys the good guys would be us now you know if you do a podcast or whatever you can call saints the good guys but that's on your show not mine you know you know how it is hey john i want to thank you for coming (laughs) i want to thank you for coming on no problem man thanks for having me all right hey ladies and gentlemen that is my friend john hendricks Saints contributor for CanalStreetChronicles.com. That is CanalStreetChronicles.com. That's part of the SB Nation. Okay, I'm done talking about the Eagles. I need to change the subject. Let's bring Mike back in here. I need some Some good. And the good comes in two words. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. So we're going to talk about that. 76ers. Right? 76ers. We're going to talk about that. So, look, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll shift gears and we'll talk sixers. All right. Let's do it. Because I need to feel good. Look, Eagles got me in my feelings right now. I need to feel better, all right? I want to smile, all right? I need to smile. I need to feel good. So let's, let, let, let's shift gears. Let's talk sixers. So when we come back on the Best in the World Sports Report, we were going to shift gears and we we're going to talk the newest addition to your Philadelphia seventy sixes, your team, your town, your 76ers, and now your Jimmy Butler when we come back on Best in the World Sports You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this
1: show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. <laughs> If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to TotalSportsLive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com.
4: When you went car shopping, you meant business. You aced vehicle history
2: searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP
3: and the Ad Council.
1: From Best in the World Sports and No Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report.
0: And we are back on the Best in the World Sports Report. Talking sixes right now because uh, apparently they, they made a move. I'm not quite sure if you've heard about this. Uh, they uh, made a trade, traded Dario Sarge, traded Robert Covington, traded Jared Bayless. They're now gone. They're now out of here. And in comes in, in comes Mr. Jimmy Butler. That's huge. That's huge for the Sixers. Gives us a big 3. You got Ben Simmons, you got Joel Embiid, and now you got Jimmy Butler. So we need to talk about this. We need to discuss this. So on the line with me from Total Sports Live is my man Will Towns, the pride of West Philly, the pride of Chestnut Hill University, my man Will Towns. What's going on, brother?
4: What's what's going on, man? How you doing?
0: I'm good, man. So I had asked you to come on the show last week. Uh we were going to talk Sixers. We we're going to talk uh, this first cup uh first month and a half or so of the season. You know, I had everything mapped out, everything that we were going to talk about. Every, it was all laid out in front of me. Then uh then this Jimmy Butler thing happened. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What were your initial thoughts when you found out about the trade?
4: Um, this is actually the, the last thing that I expected to happen. I didn't think we were going to continue to pursue the Jimmy Butler situation just because, as you know, initially, the Timberwolves were asked for Ben Simmons. And as we know, that that just can't happen. Um, I think it adds a new element to our team, not just on the court, but off the court as far as like the toughness and us developing an identity as a team. I think that's the biggest thing that Jimmy Butler will bring to the team is us adding an identity. I think that's the thing that we're missing the most right now as far as as far as like things that aren't tangible on the court.
0: Now you talk about what he adds as far as identity. I think one of the uh, the biggest red flags that a lot of people had with Jimmy Butler was his attitude. People saw how his tenure in Chicago and Minnesota, how that ended. And they wonder how that would play out here. Are you concerned about that at all?
4: Um, Not necessarily, that doesn't bother me I think a lot of people have an issue with We think about all-star players We think about star players We kind of expect them to stay, stay in one place the whole time But I think one thing that Jimmy Butler did Wasn't necessarily an attitude issue But it was holding the organization accountable And holding the team accountable around him Now a lot of times we expect the guys to stay in situations And tough it out because you're a star player You're supposed to tough it out You're supposed to make the team better But at the same time for Jimmy Butler to hold those people around him accountable and say, like, all right, in order for us to be successful in Chicago, I needed pieces around me. Chicago didn't make those moves to put those pieces around him. When he got to Minnesota, he expected certain things out of players that were getting paid more than him. When those things didn't happen, he said, all right, trade.
0: So when you heard, when you hear the stories about, What Jimmy Butler was doing, especially in camp when he was challenging players, challenging front office people, challenging coaches. What were your thoughts? I mean, I thought the funniest thing, funniest story I had heard when he was, I guess it was uh, five on five scrimmages. And he took the last four guys on the bench and played the starters and won. What would you think of that?
4: Um. I don't know how much truth is in all that, but when I hear things like that, I get excited. And you think about Philadelphia as a city and what the kind of things that we expect out of our athletes and our best and our star players coming here. I think Jimmy Butler really has an attitude that can fit into Philadelphia as far as a guy who's not just tough, but a guy who like, like Ben Simmons and Joe and B both mentioned, a guy that hates losing. And I think as a city and as a team, we hate losing. So to have a guy with that kind of winning attitude and a guy that's able to push people around him, I think that's important, especially for a veteran guy to do that.
0: So let's talk about the team that he is joining. Right now, I guess the the Sixers are really in the middle of the pack as far as the Eastern Conference. Of course, it's early. Of course, there's a lot of basketball left to play. But I think the early impressions that I have gotten on this on this year and on this team is this is a team that's not as good as Boston, not as good as Toronto, might not be as good as Milwaukee, might not even be as good as uh, anybody else. I mean, may- maybe not as good as Detroit either. I know they split the seasons, uh, the season series so far, but the jury is still out. What does it, how does this trade affect the Sixers? Does this put them? Back up in that top tier of the Eastern Conference.
4: Um, I think it does a lot as far as the morale for the team. But adding Jimmy Butler doesn't answer all of the, isn't the solution to all of the problems that we have. If you look at the, the team right now, we're like twenty six in the league in turnovers, um, one and six on the road, and seven no at home. So, um, a lot of our issues are issues as far as continuity, and I think. How do I put it? I think it's more of a system problem more than anything because if we have guys who can shoot the ball, we have guys who can attack the rim, and we have guys who seem to be solid individual defenders, there's no reason why we should be letting teams score over 100 points a game or should be turning the ball over almost 20 times a game. So I think he, he does a lot as far as the morale to the team, but there are still other things within the team that we have already that we need to solve, and I think that stems from coaching as well.
0: I understand. On the line with Will Towns of Total Sports Live, talking some basketball, talking Sixers, talking Jimmy Butler. Now, let's talk about the players that left. We're losing Dario. We're losing Robert Covington. Now, this was a team that struggled at times for shooting. You know, we have Joel Embiid and we know about Fultz's struggles with shooting. We know about Simmons's struggles with shooting. And we probably just traded away after JJ Reddick, the two best shooters we had on this team. Now Shamit is there there they're, they're, they're gonna be expectations for him. But he's still young, he's still a rookie. What I mean, what other holes do you see? And what do you think of the holes that are left behind by trading a Dario and a Covington?
4: Um I think by I hate to say this, but I've never been the biggest Robert Covington fan uh, for, for several reasons. But I think by adding in Jimmy Butler, the loss of Robert Covington doesn't hurt as much just because of the kind of defensive player that Jimmy Butler is. You no, know, His ability to create his own shot. Um, losing Dario Sarge is probably going to be the biggest problem because we don't know who we're going to play at the four right now. We can... I was thinking about at a point in time we could maybe throw Wilson Chandler in there, maybe throw Mike Muscala in there, but right now we're not sure who's our guaranteed starting for, and Dario's ability to rebound, get down there and rebound, and stretch the floor will be missed, so that's, that's our biggest hole right now, and that's the biggest thing we got to figure out is who we're going to put out there and what kind of four are we going to look for? Are we going to look for another guy that can stretch the floor? Are we going to look for another rebounding guy who can kind of get out of Joel Embiid's way?
0: No, I understand that. Now, there's there have been a couple of other names that have been thrown out there, and one of the names that I I've heard was Kyle Corver. Do you? Th- I'm. I guess for me personally, I'm not a big fan of moving backwards. You know, I think there's, but so many times when you can bring in an old name or an old player that you've had before and still move forward. So, I've heard that name, but that doesn't necessarily excite me. I think it's a good bench piece. I think he's a good shooter. Don't think he can be a r- real good defender at this point. What do you think of when you hear Car- Kyle Cur- Corver's name being mentioned?
4: Um, When I initially heard the rumor, the, the young Sixers fan in me got excited because I'm a younger guy. So growing up, I was used to that Kyle Corver, Allen Iverson, Igadala team. When I came back to reality, I started to think about, what Kyle Korver can actually bring to the floor that we don't already have. And considering the fact that we have a J.D. Reddick, we're adding Jimmy Butler, Shamit's developing. It wouldn't hurt to add more shooting onto the floor, but as far as rotation and distributing those minutes, I don't know if Kyle Korver is exactly what we need. And like you said, he's a guy who's closer to retirement. He's a guy who doesn't bring a lot to the floor defensively. So it would be adding more shooting, but I'm not sure if that's like something... We should necessarily pursue, considering what we would have to give up, because he is a valuable piece on Cleveland's team right
0: now. Now, another name that I've heard, I've heard mentioned is Marquise Morris. I know we know his brother. Uh, you know, we know his brother in Boston very well because we've had our share of run-ins with him. But what do you think about bringing in Marquise Morris? I think he's, you know, he's got an expiring. He's dealing with an expiring contract, and. Washington's pretty much going nowhere. But I would tend to think that would probably be a little more of an expensive piece. Have you heard that name? And what do you think of that as an idea?
4: Um, I think it'd be nice considering what I just mentioned before, what we lost in Dario. I think he's mm-hmm. a kind of guy as far as what he brings to us on the court, a guy who could bring that same element of stretching the floor and also getting down there and rebounding a little bit more and creating his own shot. But at the same time, like you said before, is, is going to cost a little bit more. We're not sure if he's going to stay or he's going to sign any kind of extension. You would think that coming back home to Philadelphia would be more attractive for a guy like that. But I think it's a thing that we should talk about and negotiate a little bit just because of the direction that you can see. The Wizards are clearly going and the Wizards clearly have to break things up. So I think it's a guy that we should at least pursue and see, what, see what's on the table.
0: Okay. And the last name, I think, I guess... Because, you, I mean, you grew up in this area. You know this fan base. And you know as soon as there is a well-known name, there's always going to be somebody who feels like, hey, well, what about him? So what do you think about people who might say, hey, Carmelo Anthony might be available?
4: Um, like you said, that's it. That's the thing that we have a tendency to do, and that's one of the that bothers me about other Sixers fans. Um, it's happened more recently just because of the team's more recent success. Um, I think Carmelo Anthony is a guy who needs to, I've seen other people say this, is a guy who needs to prepare for his farewell tour. It's unfortunate the, the lack of respect that Carmelo Anthony gets now, but because of some of the decisions that he's made, the organizations he's been associated with, the decline in his career, Hasn't been the prettiest thing to see and the prettiest thing to watch. As far as what he brings on the court, same thing. Markeith Morris, starts that ability to stretch the floor. But just that kind of distraction in the locker room and a guy like who, who I said isn't performing at the same level anymore, a guy who wants starters minutes and who wants to be paid, I just don't know if that would be the best move for us to make.
0: I hear you. Well, look, we've been talking with Will Towns of Total Sports Live. He is the NBA writer, Sixers writer. Um, tell us how people can get in contact with you.
4: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Bills Lab, so it's B I L L S L A B. Um, that's the only social media you can follow me on right now. But if you guys want to email me, ask me any questions. It's W X B Towns T O W N E S one at gmail.com and of course you guys can follow total sports live on Twitter and follow the total sports live site
0: I right, hear you Well, look will towns the pride of West Philadelphia West Philadelphia born and raised you, I know we we say that about everybody yeah West Philly it, it, I I get tired of it yeah you know, I, I understand and I don't blame you it, it's just it's so easy to do and, and you know I I understand I get it but it, it kind of just rolled off the tongue. It's like, I said it before I even thought about it. I just, you know, I wrote it down. and I don't know. Anyway, but look, thank you for coming on. We've got to have you back on. Talk more sixes at a later date, all right? All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I right, hear you. Look. That is my man, Will Towns from Total Sports Live. Hey, look, we'll come back with more in a second on the best in the world sports report. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at... BITW Sports. Once again, that is at BITW Sports. We got lots more to talk about, and we will be right back on the Best in the World Sports Report. You're listening to the Best
1: in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at PhillyGoFlow.com are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com.
4: One in six seniors faces the
1: threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org.
4: This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
1: From Best in the World Sports and Joe Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports
0: We are back on the best in the world sports report. Told you I needed to feel better. Told you I needed to feel good. People got me in my hands, uh, y'all. Uh, we're not talking about that anymore. Talking sixes. Time Let's uh, move on to something a little happier. Exactly. So let me ask you. Um, I need to ask you this. One. All right. When you heard the trick, mm-hmm. what were your initial thoughts? Were you doing cartwheels? Good move. Why is it a good move? A couple reasons. One,
2: you needed a good on-the-ball wing defender. Yeah, Covington's first team all-defense last year. Covington's a good off-the-ball defender. He's good at playing passing lanes, getting deflections, help defense, that sort of thing. On-ball? I've seen him have as many problems as anybody. And Jimmy Butler is a better on-the-ball defender. You need somebody like that. Guys like Tatum will take advantage of you if you don't have a good wing who can defend on the ball. And most teams these days that are a real legitimate threat East or West, have very talented wings and perimeter guys that you need someone like that for. Second, you needed someone who could go out and get their own bucket. And third, you needed someone who can at least be a threat to shoot the jump shot besides J.J. Reddick. Jimmy Butler checks multiple boxes for you. He also provides veteran leadership, a little bit more mature voice from someone who, as much as I like what Redick has done for this team, Redick doesn't necessarily have the cachet of a star player that Jimmy Butler has, a multiple-time all-star who... I believe will be a respected voice in the locker room.
0: So to your point of being a good voice in the locker room, one of the criticisms I've heard of Jimmy Butler and this trait has been his attitude. More specifically how things ended in Minnesota.
2: All right, let So We're talking about what happened in Minnesota, him not getting along with Wiggins and Towns, reportedly. But truth be told, if I'm a guy who wants to win, and I say to my teammates, let's go to the gym and get some work in, work on our games, build some chemistry, things like that, and you tell me, no thanks, I'm playing PlayStation,
0: I might might have issue with you too. Something I've talked about on this show quite often is what I like to call the Chase Utley effect. Mm -hmm. And that is basically teams play like their best player. Minnesota drafted Carl Anthony Towns, I think, because they believe that he is a best best player type player. I think they drafted him with the intent to be their best player. Anthony Wiggins is, they drafted to kind of be the, I guess the. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Anthony. <laughs> anyway, Andrew Wiggins, Mm-hmm. I think, was drafted to be a, a well, since they drafted because they didn't draft him, they brought him in to be a complimentary piece around Carl Anthony Towns. Wiggins was there first, was he? Yeah, was he there a whole season? Okay, yeah, Wiggins. was, Okay,
2: yeah, Wiggins was the year before Towns, I believe.
0: Okay. You sure? I thought it was the year after. Okay, okay, I I could be wrong, but either way, I I believe with those two players, I think Carl Carl Anthony Towns is the is the number one. Wiggins is the number two. Hmm. Jimmy Butler's brought in. To help put the to put that big to put that to make that into a big three, and it hasn't worked. Well, it ha- and to me it hasn't worked because of the type of player that uh, basically the type of players that Wiggins and Towns are.
2: What do you mean by that? But when you say the type of players they are,
0: it seems like. They they don't have the same focus. They don't have the the focus yet.
2: Where as a drive to do the things necessary to be great. Okay, I'm asking.
0: No, I'm saying okay. Oh, yeah, sounds sounds uh okay. Sounds like a fair assessment. Good right. I like I like the way you put that.
2: All right. You know, I'm just asking I if that's guess, a-
0: but but to me I guess, I guess. To make my point is, I'm saying that I don't believe that the issues that have kind of, that befell, if that's the right word, the situations that Wiggins and Towns find themselves in, I don't necessarily believe Embiid and Simmons will find themselves in. I think Jimmy but- bringing Jimmy Butler here, I think the culture is different. I think Embiid and Simmons are way more talented. Absolutely. And I think they had—they seem to have more of a focus. Whereas I believe that jo- Joel Embiid is the straw that stirs this drink. I believe he is going to be this team's best player for years to come. And I believe he has... Even with the flaws in his game, and there are flaws.
3: Mm hmm.
2: There are.
0: There, even with, I believe he has a desire to be better. And he has a desire to be dominant. There hasn't been a dominant center in the league since Shaq. True or false?
2: Dominant center.
0: Dominant game changing center.
2: Mm, sort of. Not on both ends of the court.
0: Okay. But Joel jo- Dwight Labe- Howard
2: was dominant on the defensive end of the court. Okay. And he did change the game until he lost his mind wanting to be an offensive force too. But okay. Defensively, he was a force when he was at his best. All right. Shaq was the last one that could do it on both ends of the court. Okay.
0: And jo- Joel Embiid has at least said that that's he hasn't he hasn't named Shaq, but he has expressed a desire to be dominant on both ends of the court. I like that. Absolutely, you don't hear Carl Anthony Towns talking like that. Tells. I say I say all that to I say all that to say, and this is what I this is really where I want your thoughts. Do you see? Jimmy Butler running into the same issues here in Philly that he ran into in Minnesota?
2: I don't foresee it going that way simply because the Sixers are already in a situation where they are able to compete, able to win a round, possibly two in the playoffs, depending on matchups. And so as compared to Minnesota being in the West where every game every day is a dogfight and you have to really be at a high, high level to compete or even have thoughts of getting out of the first round in the Western Conference. In the East, I think the addition of Jimmy Butler to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and... Are Markel Fultz, who, while highly flawed, is growing in confidence, and JJ Redick and such, automatically get, puts them in a position where they're where they get second round of the playoffs, and depending on matchups and such, possibly to the conference finals, and I don't think this roster is complete yet. I don't think what we're seeing now is what we'll see playoff roster. Like similar to last year when you get to January, February, all-star break, mid-February and teams know we're out of it for the year, you start seeing buyouts. You start seeing business decisions happening. Team like, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs. I can buy this player out for half the money I owe them, and let somebody else pay their salary, pay their contract. So, and that will be a time of year where I think you may see some skilled veterans interested in joining the Sixers, mm-hmm. because there will be opportunity to
0: get minutes. First thing I asked when I when I heard this deal, I like the deal, but what the glaring thing? There are two things that kind of. Stuck out to me. One, we traded our entire we we traded two thirds of our front court, mm-hmm. traded our starting four. our tr- we traded our starting three. So my question was, who plays the four when he comes in?
2: It depends on what what lineup is. On the floor,
0: so you think that's something that could change as the season goes? Along? So I absolutely, count- think. Okay. That.
2: I think it's something you can pretty much count on will okay. change as the season goes. By February, March, you'll see a free agent or two after buyouts joining this roster.
0: Okay. So, given that, once once Jimmy is here, mm-hmm. and I, of course there'll be a, you know a couple a little bit of tinkering at the beginning, but. Moving forward, who do you think? Who give me give me your ideal with, with the players we have now? Give me your ideal starting lineup.
2: My ideal starting lineup right now, I believe, you go with what's on the roster: yeah. Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, Butler. And see, the thing is, that fifth player, there are a couple ways you could go. Mm -hmm. The way I think would be best to go is the one I don't think they will, which would be to start Reddick.
0: So it start Reddick and move Simmons to the four? That's what I think would be best.
2: Okay. Because you still actually have a situation where Simmons in today's NBA is able to trigger the offense and do a lot of the ball handling. That being said, him not being a shooter is minimized because he's going to be expected to be around the basket more rather than being expected to space the court. When you, And you have guys out there now in Redick and Butler who are both able to stretch the court for you. Fultz, he's at least shown a willingness to take the shot. Mm-hmm. And and B also will take the shot for better or for worse. So now you have adequate space for Simmons to move freely and he'll likely be matched up against someone who can't guard him.
0: So you don't necessarily don't see this trade as moving Fultz back to the bench.
2: No. Okay. Because if you're moving Fultz back to the bench, that means you're playing Jimmy Butler as the two. Okay. Who's playing the three for you? No. no. Jimmy Butler's got to play your three. Okay. Which means Fultz is able to stay in the starting lineup. Understood. The question position is what you do with the four. Fultz at this point, I think he's – still safe in his starting role as the starting two guard.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there – and before we, uh, we wrap this up, is there another move on the horizon that you've heard that kind of makes sense to you?
2: Nothing that I've heard. And, you know, the NBA rumor mill is an ever-changing landscape.
0: Of course, of course. But –
2: Honestly, what I before I even start thinking about who else may be available, I'd like to see because let's let's remember this wasn't just a one man di- move. They also brought in Kid Patton, who is by all report all accounts a stretch forward type as well. Maybe they'll get lucky and he'll be able to fit in. Because what you don't need is five superstars on the court. No, you need five. Ball. You need five guys who know how to do their job on the court.
0: Okay, I hear you. But overall, you, two thumbs up on this deal. Two thumbs up on the deal. Exactly, overall, exactly, exactly. That's what I. That's what I needed. That, and that You know what? Let me just drop the. Just, let's just drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> All right. Because if we if we go anymore, I don't want to be pissed off, man. Because the Eagles did everything they could to piss me off this week. And now we got this deal Jimmy Butler's here things are gonna turn around we're about to, we're about to get that 17 game win streak again uh we're gonna take the number one seed uh we're gonna win the east and we're gonna win a championship all right okay all right that, that was a little bit too far I, I understand I, <laughs> all right i I know I'm doing too much I'm doing too much but look I right. feel good I, I do understand. feel good I do feel good I do like this deal you know it's Sixers are trying to make it exciting, and I appreciate them, you know, helping to cheer me up because God knows the Eagles pissed me off. <laughs> Look, that's our show, man. It was fun. We even ran out of show. Let's get out of here, man. Best in the world sports support. Once again, hit us up at any time Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at BITW Sports. Listen to this podcast anytime you want. Soundcloud.com slash BITW Sports. If you want to hear any other take, that I've had that was probably wrong. All our archives are there. (laughs) Check me out there, soundcloud.com. Also, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Archives are there. Check the show out every Saturday morning. phillygoflow.com, 8 a.m. Following the Reggae Sunrise Show preceding early morning 80s. So you get your old school 80s afterwards, Get your reggae before and in the middle. It's me and my man, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Catch you next week. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety
1: every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com.